0: here we're going to get into a new series tonight and uh, by the smile on my face I'm excited about it hallelujah it's going to be super good and awesome I'm not quite sure how long we're going to be in this we're just going to jump in and just see where we go so let's go ahead and believe God father we thank you for the word of God oh I love your word oh I love your word and I have hid your word in my heart that I had not sinned against you. Oh, thank you for your word. Thank you for the light. Help each one of us to see tonight by the person of the Holy Spirit who's living in us and who has anointed us to hear. We will hear with the ears of our spirit tonight, and you will bring revelation. You will bring understanding. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Everybody said... Amen. So, Wednesday nights, as you know, are, are more of a study environment. And we're going to get into a Bible school subject. And so it, it's, it's going to be pretty broad and, and pretty deep. What I see now is that we're going to hit a lot of high spots. To uh, it's, it's a broad, this particular subject that we're jumping into is very broad. So, it would probably, to exhaust this, It would take a very long time but uh, we'll just hit the high high spots and uh, it's going to be good I want to start by saying this is that we we need to be very purposeful when we read the Bible a lot of people just read the Bible they don't really know what their purpose is in reading it and so I want to set some uh, objectives some goals that that you and I should have when we approach the Word of God and things that we need to look for. Now, first and foremost, every time we come under the the sound of His voice, every time that we hear the Word of God, every time that we read the Word of God, every time we study the Word of God, every time that we speak the Word of God to ourselves, we should have this determination. Number one, we need to be determined when we hear the word of God that when I find out what God has said, that I make the decision to agree with it. Now listen to me carefully. Many times we we only embrace the word of God that we understand or that seems pertinent to us or that benefits us. But we need to look at the entire counsel of God as him speaking to us, and we need to agree with it. We need to come in harmony with it. Now, this word to agree means, as I just said, to come in harmony with. It means to believe what you heard. without having to have proof, without having to know and understand how that is. Because many times you and I will see what appears to be a contradiction in the Word of God. How many of you know that there can't be any contradictions in the Word of God? But when it seems like a contradiction, that means there's something I don't know yet. There's something that I don't perceive yet. And so that's why, no matter what God says, the very first thing we do is, God said it, I believe it. That settles it, right? So to agree with what he says is to believe what he says. It then goes further than that, is that you've got to walk with the same steps of what it says. See, God's word is not solely to believe in is also to act upon. The believing in and acting upon is what releases his life and his ability to change our life and to shape our life into the will he has for our life. And then to agree with the word of God, God means to also to follow it. See, that's That's the definition of a disciple, someone who's following Jesus. Well, he's not here to follow. But Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that God is now speaking to us through the word of God. It says that he's speaking through his son, Jesus Christ. Well, guess what? He is the word. And so that's who we're following. We're following Jesus through the light of the word of God. Now, there's some areas here. This is what our subject matter is going to be. We're going to find points of subject matter that you and I need to discover for ourselves. When we're reading the Bible, as we're, as we're, as we're being filled in by hearing His Word, these are some of the questions that we need to answer. Number one... What has God made available to me through redemption? I need to find primarily in the New Testament, I need to find out what is now available to me through God's plan of redemption. Number two, I've got to discover what God the Father is to me. What is my relationship with God the Father? Number three, what is Jesus doing right now for you and me at the right hand of God? You see, Jesus has a present day ministry. Yes, he's seated at the right hand of God, but what is he doing there? How is he representing me at God's right hand? Number four, we've got to discover what the Holy Spirit is doing right now in real time in me and through me. In you and through you. You see, he didn't place God the Holy Spirit in us just to say that God is in us, the Holy Spirit has a ministry. God the Holy Spirit has those things that he desires to do for us personally, but also to do for those around us. Hallelujah. Three other areas that we should know as a child of God. Number one, it's up to you and I to determine who we are in Christ. Who am I? In Christ. Now, who you are in Christ is, for example, is you're now a new creature in Christ. You and I need that revelation. We also need to know what that means to us as being a new creature in Christ. Now the next one sounds like the same thing, but it's completely different. Remember, we're going to discover who we are. Number two, we're going to discover what we are. What God says you are. Now, what you are is like what it says over there in Romans, that you are more than a conqueror. That's what you are. How do you accomplish that? By who you are. (laughs) The what you are is... Accomplished by the who you are. So if you, ain't a, if you don't know who you are, then it's going to be difficult to fulfill what you are. You're light. You're salt. And you become that when you know who you are. Everybody okay? Good. Last one, so we got seven of these. The third one of these, discovering who we are as a child of God, is what you have because you're in Christ. Who you are, what you are, and what you have. Now, unfortunately, if we would ask these seven questions to all of Christendom, only a, a few, only a small Percentage would be able to answer any of these things. Because they really haven't been under the teaching of the Word of God. Amen? But we're going to change that for us, right? So here's what I'd like to do. This is what we're setting out to do. But you know how he changes our direction as we go. But let's just say that I think we're going to Denver, so we're going to head to Denver. But if he changes it and we're going to go to Boulder instead, it'll still be good. But right now, this is what I see. I see we're going in this direction. We're going to discuss each one of these. What's available to us through redemption. What God the Father is to us. What Jesus is doing right now. He's not up there going like this. He's very active. He's very busy. As our intercessor, as our mediator, as our high priest. He's the one who receives your tithe at the right hand of God because he's the high priest. That kind of helps me when I tithe. He's the recipient of it. Not the church. He is. And then what does he do? He opens the windows of heaven. That helps me. Amen? And then we have to take advantage of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in us. I don't want him like this all day long in my life. I want him to have an inner action with me. I I want to be able to recognize his leadings for as many as are led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. How he quickens me, strengthens me, girds me up by giving me a spirit of might. See, there's so much at our disposal, but we can't take advantage of them until we learn about them. Amen? Then we have faith to receive it. Then we're going to get into who we are, what we are and what we have. Again, that's just how I see it now. We'll just have to see where we go. So what is tonight's subject matter? After saying all that with that lengthy introduction, let's talk about what God has made available to us through redemption. How does that sound? Let's start there. I want you to go on over to Ephesians chapter 1. And so as we do these series, we don't have to get anywhere tonight in terms of how far. So we can just follow him as we go, let him help us, uh, allow him to do some side journeys, allow him to do whatever he wants to do and and whatever he wants to say. Amen. You know this verse, Ephesians 1-7. Now get familiar with these first two words, at least in the New King James. It says, in him. In him. That identifies who this verse is about. This is about those who have received Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Those who uh, the Bible calls a believer or one who has been born again one who has received a spiritual birth or a birth from above meaning that christ now has entered to you has entered into you by the person of the holy spirit he now resides in you you are a new creature and you're a child of god and you're on your way to heaven that's what in him means so this is talking about you guys Who's this verse talking about? Yeah, it's talking about me. Right? So, in him, notice what we have. We have redemption. Now, notice that that is in the present tense. This is something that we possess. It's not not something that we're pursuing or trying to get. This is something that's already our personal possession. Say, I have my redemption. Say, I have the redemption that God purchased for me. I am redeemed. So, he says that we have redemption. We see what it was purchased with through his blood. And it encompasses the the removal, the forgiveness of sins. And that was done according to the riches of His grace. So it's not something that you and I have earned. It's not something that we deserved. It was freely given to us as an act of grace from God to you and I. So we have it. I want to define what redemption is. Listen to this definition. Remember, this is what we now possess. It says, Redemption is to free one from captivity by means of a payment. Redemption is to free one from captivity by means of a payment. Now what were we entrapped to? What were we held captive by? If I required to be purchased If I I required to be delivered, if I required to be freed from captivity, what was I bound to? It's primarily two things. Number one, it's a fallen sin condition. What the Bible calls a separation from God. It's actually a position of spiritual death. And we just saw that in Ephesians 1-7 that we just read. It says we have redemption, the forgiveness or the deliverance from captivity of what? Sin. Sin is not just behavior. Sin can also relate to a spiritual state or condition. That's who we were. Before Christ and number two we were held captive by the curse of the law the curse of the law we were held captive and need deliverance from that curse now I'm sure that we didn't realize it at the time but you and I before Christ we were living under a curse. It's the same curse that we see upon the natural earth. Isn't it interesting that that the earth is getting older? It's starting to have age pain, so to speak. There's a groaning going on with the earth, and no man didn't cause it with driving a car. is spiritual it's a spiritual curse look here in galatians chapter 3 verse 13 what is redemption it's a freedom or deliverance from captivity by a payment that god made in our behalf look here in galatians 3:13 it says that christ And you can find this word Christ translated as the Messiah. You can find it translated as the Anointed One. This is Jesus. This is Jesus with the Spirit upon him. He has redeemed us. When? He has redeemed us. So that's past tense. Amen. So this redemption that Christ has, has brought or bought for you and I has already taken place. Actually, it took place 2,000 years ago. What did he redeem us from? He redeemed us from the curse of the law or the curse of disobeying the law. How did he redeem us? Because he became a curse for us. You see, Jesus didn't just pay for our redemption with his blood. He had to pay for it with the act of his passion on the cross. He had to suffer in our place. He had to be beaten in our place. He had to be scourged in our place and receive 39 stripes. He had to be falsely accused. He had to be spit upon. He had to have that thorn of, a crown of thorns pushed into his brow and and into his head. He had to carry a cross up a hill. He had to hang on that cross until he was suffocated. He had to die spiritually on the cross and also die physically on the cross, and then he had to go to hell in our place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Notice that he has redeemed us from the curse by being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed. Is everyone who hangs on a tree or a cross. Now, understand that humanity and even the earth itself inherited this sin condition and this curse. Now, I want to give us a little background and this is such an important thing for you and I to embrace so I want you to see God in his creation and then I want you to see what transpired with the creation that he handed over to man now look at this when God created the earth and when God created humanity What he created was good. In fact, it was the very reflection of God's life. Now, understand that whatever a creator creates, his creation takes on the nature of the creator. It's like when you see a beautiful piece of art. Well, that artist poured his life into that artwork. And that artwork becomes a reflection of that artist. And so understand that originally, everything that God has ever created, including all that we see, in his natural creation and all that we see in man in its original state it reflected god's life and it was good look at look at genesis 131 now we're talking about the physical earth and the universe we're talking about the creation of the animal kingdom we're talking about the creation of man we, we've got to embrace and believe that everything God made was good. Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. Now understand, let me just say this. In Genesis chapter 1, we see the creation in a very general view. Then in chapter two, God begins to give us details of that creation from chapter one. Both chapter one and, verse, and chapter two are the creation, the creation of the earth. There, there aren't two creations. On. Chapter one is just a general view. And then it goes over in chapter two to give you a detailed view of that creation from chapter one. Amen? So look here, Genesis 1: 131. Genesis 131 and God saw everything that he had made That's talking about the earth That's talking about the stars in the sky the universe That's talking about the animals the plants and it's talking about the human race He saw everything that he had made and Behold it was very good It wasn't just good it was very good now I I found this description of what it means to be very good when God said what he made was good he was affirming its original design and intent to reflect and display his good character, his power, and his nature. In its original state, and you got to put air quotes around that, in its original state, including man, creation measured up to God's standards. It was the way he wanted it to be. And it was exactly the sort of quality he desired. Now, doesn't that just make sense? How could God make something that was broken? How could he make it of having nothing but life? See, he could only make it what he is. And all that he is is what? It's good. And so, from his creation, he was able to say it was very good. I put it this way. Therefore, what God created was perfect. Full of life, his life. And eternal. Amen. What God made was meant to, to, to last forever. Because that was a purpose that God had in creating it. So in the creation of man, this is interesting here, God deviated on how we were created. God created us differently than how he created the earth and the plants and the animal kingdom. He made made us different. Let me put in a little tease right here. What was man or humanity made of? Just make a a note, maybe write down your answer. What was Adam, let's say it that way, what was Adam made of when God created him? Just so you know, I answered that question incorrectly not too long ago. (laughs) I trust you, you, you know. So God deviated in how he made you and I, apart from everything else he created. He actually added an extra dimension to us that the rest of his creation didn't have. Now, let's go on over to Genesis chapter 1 and look at verse 26. We're just going to read the beginning of this first chapter. Excuse me, this first verse 26. Genesis 1, 26. Now, notice this. It says that then God said, you with me? What did God say? Let us And there's God the Father God the Son God the Holy Ghost let us make man in our own image let us make man in our own image now the question I just asked is is how did God create a Create man, or of what did God create man of? And most of us would say we were made from the dust of the earth. That's how I answered it. I don't know how you answered it, but that's how I answered it. But he, if he did make you and I from the dust of the earth, then we wouldn't be like him. And he said we were made in his image. So is God made from the dust of the earth? Let's go on over to John chapter 4. Sometimes you can hear brains working. It's kind of like the gears in my brain. Sometimes it's audible. Now this is Jesus talking to the woman at the well in John 4, 24. He begins to tell us what God is. It says that God is what? A spirit. And in order to worship him, whoever worship him must worship him in what? In spirit. And in truth. So we can see the reason why God made us like him is so that we could have relationship with him. So that we could commune with him on a same level, so to speak. Communicating to him from the place that we are like Him. Does, does that make sense? Okay. So, God is a spirit being, and to be like Him, by necessity, we must be a spirit being. Amen. Right? Now, we'll look at a more detailed view of our creation. Going over here to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Genesis 2, 7. It says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. This is the creation of man's body. This is the description of the house. That his spirit was going to live in now this just begins to, to make sense because in order for you and I to go to heaven which is a spiritual place we have to be a spirit where does the body go when our spirit leaves our body it goes back to the earth so if I was made of the dust of the earth, I would never be able to go to heaven. I have to be a spirit. So if this is the creation of my body, then where is the creation of my spirit? I want to see that from from Scripture, right? Before we go there, In this verse, it says that the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. This is something that God made with his hands. If he's going to form me of the dust of the ground, then he's doing it with his hands, and that's being created by God's ability. Now, we go on in that same verse 7. First, he created a house. Didn't your house have to be built first before you could live in it? (laughs) I'm sorry if that sounds really silly or redundant. But yeah, I mean, so he made our house first. He formed our body first, the house. Then in that same verse, it says what? And then he breathed. Ooh, with, how do you, with his mouth? Not with his hands, which denotes his ability to create something natural with, but now he's creating with his mouth the voice of his spirit, the, the essence of his very life. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And a man became a living soul, or could we dare say, a spirit living in a body. This is the creation of man's spirit. Now understand, it was made from his very breath. Just like this book was created by God's very breath, because he spoke the word of God into individuals who exhaled and wrote it out, meaning that now the word of God has God's life in it. It has his nature in it. And when he breathed into man, He breathed his very essence, who he was, his very life, his very nature into us. So that we be made in his image and in his likeness. This is the creation of man's spirit. This is when man became an eternal spirit. We were made from God's breath. We were created from his spirit. When you and I create, how do we do it? By speaking with our breath the word of God. This is when we were made in his image and likeness. Now, along this line of thought, how were you and I born again? How did we receive life into our spirit to make us in the likeness in the image of God? I want you to go with me to John chapter 20. We're going to see this same connection, the same correlation from creation to the recreation. Here we are in John chapter 20. Go down to verse 21. Praise the Lord. Anybody having fun tonight? <laughs> I hope you're getting stretched like I am. I want to be stretched. You know, if I go to the gym, I want to get sore. You know what they say in, 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 as a gym rat, you know, no pain, no gain. Look at this, John 20, 21. Now, understand where we are in this point in point of time this is Jesus after his passion after his crucifixion his burial both spiritually and physically this is after his resurrection this is after he placed the the blood his very own blood on the mercy seat in the holies of holies in heaven itself in the temple of God in heaven thus Purchasing an eternal salvation, an eternal redemption for you and I, then God allowed him to come back to earth for 40 days to give them proof of his resurrection, obviously, but also to get these guys ready because he's going away. He's going to sit down and enter his ministry at the right hand of God the Father. He's getting ready for that and he's getting them prepared to receive the Holy Spirit that he's going to send in his place. So understand that during the earthly ministry of Jesus, not one person was born again. Listen to me. During the earthly ministry of Jesus, not one person was born again. Not one person received the life and nature in their spirit and were resurrected in their spirit because Jesus hadn't paid the price for that yet. Now, they had a promissory note for their salvation, but they weren't actually, in reality, born again. So notice this encounter that they have with Jesus, John 20, 21. Then said Jesus to them. And so these were his disciples, or those who were following him. He said to them as he came into their midst, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so I send you. Now you're going to see something very familiar here in verse 22. And when Jesus had said this, he breathed on them. He did what? He breathed on them. That kind of sounds like, and breathed into their nostrils the breath of life. Well, what happened here when Jesus breathed on them? He said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Right there, His Disciples were born of the Spirit. And with his breath that he breathed into them, the Holy Spirit came in them. And in that moment, they were resurrected in their spirit and were born again. How? By the breath of God. Notice the correlation to what it says by receiving that spiritual birth. Whose sins you remit, they were remitted unto them, and and whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. So it's talking about the removal of sin. That's salvation. So Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit into them, and in that moment, they were recreated in God's image and in his likeness. Now, I can't tell you what it's like when you and I receive Jesus, but I believe that he blew on us and the Holy Spirit came in us when we confessed him as Lord. Because we see it in the creation and the origin of man being a spirit. We see it over here in the New Testament where Jesus breathed on his disciples and they received the Holy Spirit and were born again. I believe it takes place the same way in the spiritual realm in which we can't see or feel or touch. I just know that when we confess the lordship of Jesus, there's an exchange. And what we were is removed. And we become, through a spiritual birth, that new creature that he has made of. And guess what? We're still living in the same old house. Amen. Amen. So God created you and us like him. And we became spiritual beings. That's why we're different than the animal kingdom. That's why we're different than the physical earth. Those are natural. Those are physical. Yes, animals have a brain like us, but they don't have a spirit like us. So God created us like him, so we became spiritual beings, and understand that, yes, we talked about how he did that so we could have a relationship with him, but it also he made us like himself so that we could do and accomplish the will of God that he had for us. Let's see it as we go a little bit further. Let's go back to Genesis 1. Genesis 1, 26. We read this first verse a moment ago probably more like 30 minutes ago then God said let us make man in our own image let's make them according to our likeness now notice what we will do as spirit beings they These ones that are made in his image and in his likeness, they will rule the fish of the sea. They will rule the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. Verse 28 He then blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. That means have dominion or authority over it, or could we say govern it? Rule the fish of the sea. That's good news for fishermen. Birds of the sky. That's good for my grandsons who like to go bird hunting. In every creature that crawls on the earth. Understand here, God gave dominion, the keys, so it were, of the earth to its inhabitants. He gave it to man. So here God made his creation. He made man in his own image. And then he turned the responsibility of his creation over to man. I want you to see, a, I think, a very important scripture. Psalm 115. This will be the last scripture tonight. Everybody take a deep breath. Say, Psalm 115, 16. Psalm 115, 16. Notice how this starts out. The heavens are the Lord's. Do you think God's in control of heaven? You're busy writing, I see. <laughs> this scripture says that the heavens are the Lord, are the Lord's. Do you, do you think the Lord's in control of the he, of heaven? Do you? I sure do. That's his home, right? Is there any sickness up there? What about death? How's the crime rate in heaven? Right? Why? Because God's in control of it. But the earth, he has given to the human race. That correlates with what it says over there in Genesis 126, Genesis 1.28, doesn't it? The heavens are the Lord's, and the earth has he given to the human race. I looked up human race here. It means the sons of Adam. It means the sons of man. Interesting. Let me ask you a question. Why would God give man the stewardship of the earth i want you to consider one reason there's many reasons but i want you to consider one how did god create the earth he created it by releasing faith from his spirit that which is physical was created by that which is spiritual. Things which are seen were not made with things that are seen. So God needed someone to have dominion over that which is natural by the same thing that created it. He needed eternal spirits to govern it so they could control that which was created from the spirit. He had those to control it by those that would have his faith and his, their ability to create and use authority from their inner man and not from their physical body. The animals can't rule the earth. They're natural. Man can, can govern it because the same thing that created it is in us. And God will then use us to govern the earth. In many ways, this verse says that the earth has been given to the human race or to the sons of man. It means that man became the earth's steward, gatekeeper, or could we even say the small g.? The governing body over the earth man became in control of the earth we're gonna take it up here next time take this a little bit further and some of this information might have been new to you and it might take a little chewing to get it in you and uh, The Lord's helping us. Amen. Amen. So, Father, tonight, I know this was a lot of subject matter. Maybe even some of this was, was new or even foreign to us. But, Lord, I thank you that from the Word of God we saw these truths. Help us to begin embracing these things. And help us to see why it's important to see this and these truths that we have been discussing tonight. So that we can be better skilled in fulfilling our role and our place here on the earth. And give us a greater ability to enjoy the redemption that you've purchased for us. Thank you for these truths, Father. We give you praise and glory. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you guys.